Welcome to the Seek 22 podcast. We're so glad you're here. I'm Erin Scanlon, one of the Seek MCs and your host for this season. This podcast is a place of community, collaboration, and inspiration created to invite and encourage you deeper into relationship with Jesus. Today, we're hearing from our friends at the Daughters Project podcast. Join these Catholic religious sisters, affectionately known as the media nuns, as they dive into conversation about the experience of God's love. In this episode, the sisters share about living community life as religious sisters and the many challenges, joys, surprises, and humorous moments that can entail. Welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as the sisters gather around the mics to share their experiences of God's love through the lens of His sacred word. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. And I'm Sister Oriane Pietra Renee. And our special guest with us today is Sister Danielle Victoria. Ooh, good to you, be here. I said that like you should all be very excited that I'm here. I don't know if you are. They should. But they should. I need you to know that I'm excited. <laughs> we are excited. <laughs> and if anybody's been listening to the podcast, they know who you are. Yeah, I've hung out a couple times on here. So they're probably like, oh, good, she's back. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I'm assuming so. <laughs> So today we're going to be talking about community in a particular way. That seems like kind of the the theme of of the Sikh conference this year. And uh, it's also something that as religious sisters, we have a particular insight to. So that's kind of a fun topic to throw out there. It's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) So has anybody seen or read or heard anything cool this week that you'd like to share before we jump into the topic? Oh, I did. What did you see? (laughs) So... Um, I had the opportunity to watch Dune with community. <laughs> Very <laughs> so nice. So with a group of sisters, it was super fun. Um, there were a bunch of us, like all from different generations, sitting in the same room watching Dune. And some of them had read, some of our sisters had read the book before, but most of us had not. And it was really interesting because Dune is shot in a very particular way, like the mm-hmm. film itself. And uh, it's shot in a kind of a high-paced way. Like you have to look for clues to figure things out. And some of our sisters thrive on that. Like, I love that in a film, but some of our sisters hate it. <laughs> and um, so we had very mixed reactions to that film and how efficacious it was. Um, but just as an illustration, so like at one point we were we were watching Paul Atreides and his dad were standing in a graveyard on their home planet. Um, it was a very serious moment. And one of the sisters commented on how powerful it was that they chose to shot, uh, to shoot that particular scene in a graveyard. And one of our sister, other sisters was like, how do you know it's a graveyard? And we were like, because uh. it's a graveyard. <laughs> it's like, those, those are graves. <laughs> but it was, it was very indicative of like when you're, some of our sisters love looking for all those little clues and putting things together. And some don't, like it's overwhelming. And yeah. it was such a beautiful illustration of how like we help each other and we're looking at different things and perceiving different things. So... It was a it was a hoot and a half to watch that I together. Bet. I yeah. bet. I love it that I wasn't even present for that watching of the film. Um, but I heard about it just after at a, <laughs> at a table at yeah. meal, and they were like, 
they were so helpful. There their two sisters who were so helpful in explaining everything that was happening because I was totally confused. And the other one goes, yeah, I left halfway through because <laughs> I just couldn't hold it all, you know? But it was so sweet that they've appreciated so much the, the explanation of the context. <laughs> it's a graveyard. <laughs> and I wasn't there at all, and I didn't hear any conversations about it afterwards, but I can imagine who was involved in these conversations already. Yeah, you know, like, fun. it's just kind of fun, like, yeah. just knowing the personalities that are around. Yeah, yeah. We have a very diverse community, and I love it. Yeah, that <laughs> it's is like a big true. family. And it's interactive viewing. Absolutely, yes. It is not <laughs> silent viewing when you watch something in community. Which, for me, ties in very closely mm-hmm. with the special quote that we're pulling for today. Yep. <laughs> because for me, that is a penance. <laughs> <laughs> for me, watching movies like that especially when it's for the first time like if we're gonna rewatch a disney movie or a muppet movie or something like (laughs) have at it let's talk over it let's enjoy it and just kind of like let it be a moment but when it's like a first time watching of a really dramatic film or something you've been dying to see i cannot handle the questioning and the like sisters walking in halfway through and being like so what you watching we're like the climax (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's something that works on my holiness, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So um, <laughs> the quote that we thought that we could talk about a little bit today, it's not going to be a direct quote because it's very long. So I've paraphrased it. But in order to talk about community from a Pauline perspective, we thought that we would share a little bit of how our founder called community one of our primary penances. So some people may know, like in different monastic settings and especially in like much older forms of religious life, there were a lot of penances that were imposed on on people living in a conventual or a monastic environment, right? So we think of like some of the really old school penances, like really corporal penances and and different things. Um, And obviously most of the churches moved a lot away from that, but there's other ways of doing it. And our founder said that he wasn't going to impose extra penances on the Daughters of St. Paul or the Society of St. Paul, because he said, the constitutions do not impose determined penances on the Daughters of St. Paul. However, they shall accept with a joyful spirit the mortifications demanded by common life and religious observance. And in another place, he named three specific penances that we live. Number one, common life lived with love, constancy, and joy. Number two, development of ourself, our gifts, intelligence, skills, fervor, and prayer. And number three, we make everything work for the glory of God, for the apostolate, and for heavenly treasure. So those don't really sound like penances. (laughs) (laughs) They sound like really good ideals. They do. Do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Hey, go live this thing with joy. That's a penance, (laughs) right? Yeah. And, And that can sound like, yeah, right. Then when... Really, though, the kind of fruit of our life is when things like really hit the grit of real living, you know, and that's where you discover what that phrase means. So I think it's funny because um, often when we think about community supporting us in our journey of faith, we can have this kind of idealistic idea that, you know, I go out into the world as a Christian and something in the world challenges me and I go back to my community and I get like the supportive pat on the back. That like nothing really, nothing challenges me in community necessarily. (laughs) Like I just get this little pat on the back and then I'm like somehow reinvigorated to go out back into the world and and like conquer for Jesus. But in reality, 
we face a lot of challenges in community that really force us to go deeper and force us to look at ourselves um, in a way that challenges us to really rely on the mercy of God for ourselves, to face our own limitations, to love radically. And I think, you know, when we look at a, um, some other communities or even when we look at particular practices of families or of different um, ages of the church, Fasting is a really common penance, mm-hmm. and it can be a very good one if it's done in a healthy way. But the point of fasting is to really kind of take the focus off of yourself and immediate gratification so that you can actually open up more space for God and allow yourself to be transformed, right? So for us, I mean, we do fast with the seasons of the church, like we don't eat meat on Fridays and Lent and things like that. Um, but our primary penance serves that function to really be able to live joyfully and consistently. What was the other one? Uh, It says... Lovingly? With love, constancy, and joy, yeah. Yeah, with love, constancy, and joy. When in community, like, things happen or we're grating on each other or we discover a fault we wish we didn't have, (laughs) you know? And we have to let God's mercy into that. Yeah, that penance really becomes a disposition of how you're going to live the daily, everyday life of exactly. being together. As Daughters of St. Paul, we um, we don't have separate apostolates. We don't go out, like you're saying, Sister Ariane, into our own individual workforce with other people. We actually go into wherever our apostolate is with one another, the same people that we're eating with and praying with mm-hmm. and living in the same small convent with. And and so that's a lot of sharing life. Mm-hmm. That That's beautiful in so many ways. But the beauty really comes from the grit of living that together and coming up against each other's limitations. And so, like, it's so cool on one end for us to have this ideal. And then as you live it, it gets enfleshed. Mm -hmm. And as a daughter of St. Paul and someone saying yes to community, you get to see, like, what that means, the unspoken wisdom Mm -hmm. of those being our penances. Yeah, I think— just like what you were talking about, Sister Orianne, with the pat on the back thing. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of a funny thing that happened um, a little while back where we were in the kitchen and we were doing dishes. And one of the sisters was talking about like something that they had worked on that day and uh, was talking about um, the most recent TikTok video that had gotten over 3 million views, right? And just was talking about how cool that was and how fun it was and some of the comments and people that she was praying for and stuff. And the sister on the other side of the sink was like, uh-huh, that's great. Here, this spoon's still dirty. Wash it again. <laughs> you know, and it just was like... <laughs> real life. <laughs> like, real life. so not impressed and just like maybe doesn't even know what she's talking about, you know, yeah. but like... <laughs> <laughs> keeps you humble. Yeah. yeah. It keeps things all in perspective, truly, because also we're intergenerational. So mm-hmm. we're coming in at different moments of from the culture and from different experiences, even of our mission, because our mission is growing and changing, being involved in media. So what our older sisters did in our apostolate and how they served God's people is different than the ways in which we did. But essentially at their core, it's not. At, at the core, it's not communicating Christ through all forms of media. Um, at the heart of it, it's you placing yourself before God and letting him transform who you are to share whatever means that is. But the means have changed. And so the nature of that has changed. Yeah. So it's like a, a wealth that we share. And they know in their day when beautiful things were happening and people were being reached and they were all glorifying God and that. And then they had to do- scrub the tile again. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And so like they have their own um, kind of 
the humbling that happens that allows you to hold those beautiful gems together in yeah. humility. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I think that's a huge fruit of um, what's essential in community and why, like, the family is a community. Like, mm-hmm. that's why we live in community because we all need community. It's a modeling of the Trinity. Like, we hold um, this treasure in broken vessels and together we make up for one another's lack in Christ, you know, as we live that in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking um, there's a place in this little book that we have. It's like a little gold book that we all have that talks about like the different kinds of prayer that Pauline's uh, do. It's different meditations given to us by our founder. And in one of them, I came across a place where he was talking about praying in common. And he was, he said something to the effect of that community life entails a total sacrifice of our will to God. And that sounds like kind of interesting, right? Like living in community, living among other people entails a sacrifice of our will to God. And I was praying with that a little bit and thinking like, but God kind of handpicks the people that surround us, the, the personalities that we encounter every day, the, the, the sources of the conflicts that we come up against and the senses of humor that we are affected by, you know, you know how like when you pick up like the mannerisms of one of your best friends or something <laughs> or you start using a word that they use or whatever um, and just kind of like how much we affect each other and don't even really realize it. But God has placed some of these people specifically in our lives. And I was just thinking like that's true of our sisters. That's true of that's true of our family members. You know, sometimes for better or for worse, it's true of our uh workplace environment you know mm-hmm. they can be really healthy or really toxic and and god knows it's not that god's like choosing these toxic people to put in our lives or something but mm-hmm. he knows what it is that we're struggling with and he knows um like how it's going to affect our path to holiness being around these people and um kind of what they bring into our lives and and how that helps us to to grow or things that we're struggling with or things that are that make things easier you know um i really work well with this person and so that's easy i don't have to think about it but it gives me room to try to grow more maybe in this other area or something and i was just thinking like how beautiful it is that it's the will of god that these people are who they are and that they are in our lives and that they are also on their own journeys to holiness and we get to kind of just accompany each other in that and hold it sacred and and i love that we we don't choose our community and i think that's that's very true of people in every walk of life like you don't I mean, there are times where you like you choose your friends usually. Sure. Um, if you have like your own home business, you might choose your colleagues. You choose your spouse. You, hopefully, <laughs> very hopefully, well, yeah. you choose your spouse. I mean, not everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely, well, your parents do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we don't choose our family members, and even like in our parish communities, we don't choose who's in our parish. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we can really fall into that trap of being like, oh, but if I had. A community that was more like xyz or if if i had if this person wasn't in my parish like life would be so much easier and i would be able to pray better and i could evangelize more effectively and i would be fed better um and sometimes there is a truth to that like sometimes someone is kind of uh blocking with with their own limitations or you know their own struggles something that you wish was was flowing but that doesn't mean like in those moments god sees that he gives us the grace to be able to come to him through that. And 
And it's usually because of those situations where we're challenged by either someone else's limitations or they challenge us because of our limitations <laughs> or call us out or we just notice because of the way they're, they're reacting to us um, that we are actually opened up to receive more of God's grace for that transformation and that outreach. Yeah, I love the progression of how this is going. I was just sharing how like we don't, you know, the desire to do God's will puts you in community. Mm-hmm. It, it's a part of the reality mm-hmm. of being mm-hmm. in relationship with God. And it's part of the call of baptism, right? Is you're called into relationship with God, which calls you out of yourself and into sharing him with others, into mission. And that's with others. I mean, you you don't do mission alone. You you do it together. So like that idea that these are like the characteristics of being in relationship with God is that you will be and then he will bring you into community because that's like after the, the Trinity. But you don't choose nope. <laughs> what that community is because you want to do God's will, not your will. And he knows and he will put you in contact with those people in your life. Um, I think a lot of times what can happen when people are seeking community is they want to create an enclosed community of like-minded people who, and it sounds like a beautiful ideal, yeah. like that mm-hmm. we will, will create this, this kind of homogenous environment of, I mean, I don't think anyone sets out to create a homogenous <laughs> environment, but it can end up being so. We are even like as an artist myself, I always like, I want to live in an artist commune with a bunch of people who think like I do, love the Lord, <laughs> and it will just be us. And like, actually when, living in community life, I've realized what a poverty that would be, actually. Mm-hmm. It's it's difficult to run up against someone's limitation, but enters the cross, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that place of the cross, you cannot escape it. Mm-hmm. So um, even in a community of all like-minded people and with similar interests and whatnot, I mean, we have a lot of things in common. Sure. You know, yeah. but you will discover what is different <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> Pretty quickly. And you will come into contact with that cross that you were trying to escape by creating mm-hmm. an environment that was controlled. And so it's um, a gift of surrendering to, in kind of like a very obvious way that we've been called to in religious life, is that um, we at the outset said, I'm not going to get to choose any of these things. And I surrender that, that option, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, so that I can more quickly, hopefully, learn that lesson, you know, learn that that truth so it can bear fruit in my life. And I think we've all experienced where we were that person who's the limitation yeah. of community. And that's part of the gift, I think, Yeah, is that the cross is going to circulate. We've all got one. Yeah. And we're all going to not be able to carry it alone at times or ever. But really, sometimes... You you may need the help of others to carry it, and you may not even know that you need that help. Yeah. And I think one of the things that that does, too, when there's such a diversity of people, I mean, we have almost 80 sisters living in this house, right? And 80 very different ways of approaching a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And one of the beautiful things that can come from that is I have been surprised and edified in ways that I never could have imagined, you know, when something goes wrong or when um, somebody's really suffering with a particular illness or, you know, um, I don't know, it could be, it could be any number of things, but just to see how some of these women respond to these realities in their lives, like it can just be so edifying and beautiful and seeing different sides of people. Cause you see one Mm -hmm. side when it's like, 
get down to business, load the car or do the dishes or, um, you know, like even helping people in a, in a book center or something like seeing, seeing how they interact with people or how they give a talk or whatever. But then to see them in a moment of difficulty and how they respond to that or the generosity mm-hmm. that they, that they have mm-hmm. in a particular situation or something can just be like so edifying and call me on to a greater generosity or to consider how might I be able to live that thing that they're exemplifying in a, in a better way. This podcast is brought to you by Focus Greek. Focus Greek is an intentional outreach to fraternity and sorority students on college campuses. Most of our Focus Greek missionaries were Greek themselves and are returning to campus to help change the Greek culture, challenging student leaders to answer a higher call by bringing goodness and truth into the world. Check out the link in the podcast description to learn more. I'm really curious, even for myself, like, what is a moment um, that you were surprised by the gift of community that maybe like your assumptions of what you thought community life was going to be were kind of turned on their head or where you like really felt the real grace of, of being in community? I think one of the things for me is um, we have we have many senior sisters in our community. And um, since I entered, since I became a novice and then into my profession, um, several of our senior sisters have passed away. And growing up, like I, I had lost my grandparents, but I was never there for it. You know, like we were, we lived all across the country and I was never there for any of their deaths. And so for me, death was something kind of removed. Like I, I went there for the funeral. I knew that they had passed away. I went and I, I was there for their burial. But I, I never saw somebody pass away, you know, and um, it was it was really eye opening for me in a, in a really beautiful way that when I first came to Boston and our and our first sister um, since I since I entered was passing away, that the whole community rallied around that person and prayed with them and like kept watch with them for the coming of their bridegroom till the end, and I think before that. It's not that I was afraid of death, but death always seemed something seemed to me something that would be kind of lonely. Like you, you're not prepared for it. It takes you by surprise. Maybe someone's there and panicking and calling the ambulance. Maybe no one is there, which I mean that happens, and that's that's a normal part of life. But to see how the community here like takes turns being with that person, begins to share stories that you never would have thought of. Like I, <laughs> most, of, most of these sisters, like some of them were no longer able to speak. So I didn't really know them very well. Right. Yeah. Or I had like particular assumptions of like what their character must have been like. <laughs> and then you hear their stories and you're like, are we talking about the same person? Seriously. But I love that because you realize that everyone has a unique relationship with each person. And everyone brings out a side of each person that no one else can bring out. That's why God puts so many people in our lives so that we can really express ourselves to the fullest potential of who we are. And to be able to see that come to life in community at a very like serious and sad moment, really, Mm -hmm. but also to be able to rejoice with one another that like the bridegroom is coming for our, for our beloved and his beloved and to send them off with like joy and love. 
I mean, of course we are mourning and it's and it's sad and everyone's crying, but like we do that with such love and such joy and such hope. Um, that was something that was super eye-opening for me in community and really pushed me to a deeper understanding of even who Christ is for us in our death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those moments, those kind of like pivotal moments or really important moments in life, I think that especially just kind of in North American culture where we generally kind of all live in like one or two generation homes Mm -hmm. and just, you know, don't have as much interaction with each other. A lot of things have been really sanitized, like death has been really sanitized in in our culture. Um, Just the experience of living something together, grieving together, allowing the grief process to include a lot of laughter Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and like you say, hope. There's just something about what doing, what journeying together feels like that's so different from kind of how I felt maybe as a more solitary person living alone for, you know, the few years that I left, lived alone before I entered the convent and just kind of figuring like, this is just my reality. Like, this is just how it was. And um, if I wanted to be with people, I needed to like figure out how to be with people, right? right? Like I needed mm-hmm. to call somebody mm-hmm. or I needed to tell somebody like, I need to be with people right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, which I'm typically not somebody who needs that a lot, a lot. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. it wasn't super frequent that I would do that. But one of the things that I think has been really beautiful too about our community is the way in which our sisters kind of adopt our families. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking of two different times that this has happened the first i'll just be really brief about but one of when a family member of mine was was sick in the hospital and it really didn't look too good and i knew that a couple of the sisters knew him so i sent an email out through our kind of internal communications system that we have and i included his email address in case those who knew him wanted to send him a little email or something he got emails from sisters I haven't met because they've been stationed overseas for so long. Aww. And I just thought that that was really beautiful. And he attributed actually his recovery to the prayers of the sisters and the encouragement that he received through that. The other way, which I really loved, was when I was stationed in Louisiana and I was on the podcast a couple of seasons ago with Sister Tracy and Sister Tracy's family is from Louisiana. And uh, at one point, Myself and another sister were uh, carrying out some evangelization projects at a parish near Sister Tracy's family, but Sister Tracy herself could not attend with us, but they still just, you know, offered us hospitality. So we stayed with her parents and um, just kind of were spending the weekend with them. And it's this little teeny tiny little town with like, I'm pretty sure it's literally one restaurant in this town. (laughs) And so her dad said, okay, okay, girls, I'm going to take you out to this restaurant, right? So we go out to this restaurant and he's well-known in the place. <laughs> and the hostess walks up and says, so where's your daughter? And he just kind of shrugs and he gestured over to me and the other sister like, right here, what's the, que- what's the question? You know, oh. I just thought that was like the sweetest, cutest oh. thing. And like both of us were ready to just cry. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> he's just there just shrugging his shoulders like, duh. You know? <laughs> And I was just so heartwarmed by that. But like just the way that the community brings our families into the fold kind of yeah. along with us, I think has been something really beautiful to experience. I love that you're pointing out another quality um, of community is commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. um, you give yourself to God and say, I want to do your will. He says, here's your community. You're going to get holy. And there's a certain <laughs> point that you have to choose to invest 
Yes. In community. You do with your yes. Like you join a community or whatever. You're part of your parishioner. But then there's a time of like becoming aware of what that really means because you're needed in community. You're needed in practical ways, but you're also needed to contribute who you are is is needed, you know. And I think that can even be a struggle to kind of grapple with. And um, I love thinking about what this all means at times when our sisters are nearing their um, the culmination of their life, entering into eternity, when they're preparing to die and our sisters are holding vigil around their bedside as you're sharing Sister Uriam. Because at that time, like everything comes into focus of why we're organized as a people together. Yes. Yes. Like, we're organized for mission. That's what our, our founder says. We're organized for mission. And you might think that, hear that and think what we do. But actually, that mission is to get to heaven mm-hmm. and to help those who have been entrusted to us, our spiritual children, everyone impacted by media. So that's you <laughs> and everybody you know. Dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> um, to get to heaven. Yeah. That And so watching my superior, my provincial who like the head of our local community here in the United States like watching her sit with a sister mm-hmm. she is like fulfilling her role of authority and leadership in the most profound way mm-hmm. while she's praying with her preparing in those last hours to meet our lord her beloved like you're sharing and i i was one time i was asked to do kind of like the wee hours and that happened where um we knew it was rounding out to the last kind of minutes mm-hmm. really the last breaths um of our, our sister sister caritas and um our provincial at the time came in and she she said you you can stay just pray the rosary and intercede and she was whispering speaking with her and i was just like weeping holy spirit tears you know mm-hmm. what i mean and just mm-hmm. like I felt so loved on by the proper ordering of why we're here right mm-hmm. now. Here I was, um, a sister who had just made their first vows. And here was a sister who had lived decades of religious life. And then another sister who was entrusted with the authority to tell her, like, sister, you can go. Mm-hmm. Like, and it just was so, I was so moved. So it's so that idea of commitment and how I love too that we have that same kind of love and desire for our families to get to heaven, you know, and that's shared when when we make our vows and our sisters gain more family members, you really <laughs> feel it. Who yeah. you love, your sisters love. Yeah. Yeah. You share yeah. one heart. And you could totally not get along with that sister sure. in daily life. And they love your your sibling who's like having the most difficulty in loving the Lord. And they don't know how to reach them in a way you can't. Yes. Right? That's yeah. a bond you form with your, your sisters that transcends any human difficulties. So I guess I'm kind of getting at that, that depth of commitment when you say yes to God's will. And he, he shows you. <laughs> Yeah. your community or you ask him for it you know because there's some people out there i know it can be a real longing and a real hurt mm-hmm. to feel like you don't have community you right. don't know right. where you belong absolutely and um i do trust that the lord will show you i think sometimes we're looking for something fabricated or manufactured or more like wrapped around our own interests and preferences because that's a lot of how things are fashioned these days 
But to walk with God is a mystical journey of where he shows you. And so I really feel like asking for that grace to see, to see him in others and to see where he is leading you to be a gift, to make a gift of your life to another person. And that might happen in a really unexpected way. And it it requires a lot of vulnerability. <sighs> and I think <laughs> I think like that's such an important part of our commitment. And even of committing to your parish life, to committing to your family, to committing to any kind of community. Like you really have to challenge yourself and ask for the grace to be vulnerable. Um, and obviously there's there's boundaries and vulnerability as well. It's not like you have yeah. to bear your whole soul every day to every person. Um, but like the Lord promises us, I think in in Ezekiel, like I will take your hearts of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Mm. And hearts of stone are not very good for loving, but they are very protective. <laughs> yes. And a heart of flesh is very vulnerable. And we see like when Christ goes to the cross, his heart breaks, his heart is physically pierced, and his heart is resurrected. Mm-hmm. And that is the same journey that he asks us to participate in, in our journey to the cross and beyond that we really have to allow the Lord to reach his hands in and take away our overprotectiveness and not letting people in and not wanting to commit our whole self lest we lest someone find out like what faults I have or lest something be less than perfect and allow him to give us a heart that can expand because it's flesh or and beat and feel pain and feel joy and really be able to be pierced and resurrected with his. Yeah. That points a lot to kind of the one thing that's been really on my heart as I think and pray about community and just relationships in general, I think, is the obligation that we have to assume that everyone is doing the best that they can. Yeah. You know, Yeah. to just kind of like, I actually looked it up because I remembered it was in the catechism. I had to like scour it to look for it. (laughs) But they actually say in the catechism to avoid the sin of rash judgment that we need to be careful to interpret in so far as possible our neighbor's thoughts, words, and deeds in a favorable way. That's 2478. And just to think about like how easy it can be to hear an offhanded comment or something and just assume that it's meant in the most negative way possible. Right. When it could be that they were trying and didn't know exactly how to give you a compliment. You know, like it could be that there's another way to understand what it was that they were saying and that we actually have as Christians in a Christian community, an obligation to assume that that was what was intended we do. until we learn otherwise, you know, yeah. and then to, you know, attend to the relationship accordingly, you know, as, as those conversations can develop. But to start from that place of trust, of, um, like you were saying, like with boundaries, not like overly mm-hmm. vulnerable trust, but to start from the place of assuming that everyone is doing the best that they can and has a desire to be a gift in community and to receive the gift of community and just to help one another kind of along that journey, I think is a really beautiful gift that we can, can give and that we can kind of participate in. Yeah. 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 And that benefit of the doubt is so important, especially with people who have done you wrong before. Oh yeah. Um, And, and we definitely hope that people extend that to us when we have done them wrong. Oh, for sure. That like, you know, just it, it's a very normal human psychological like defense mechanism to remember the negative even more than the good because, you know, like 
it's a survival thing. If you remember a negative situation, you won't go into it again. If you know that lions eat humans because you saw it happen, you won't go pet a lion. <laughs> so it makes sense that we have that in us. Um, but we can't necessarily cling to something negative that has happened with another person, especially somebody who is part of our Christian community and and through their baptism calls to bring us to holiness and we to them. Um, and to cling to some some negative thing that happened, whether it be little or great, and assume that every other action from that person yes. must therefore flow out of this one negative thing. Mm-hmm. When that person does have the indwelling of the Trinity within them, they have the capacity to learn, to try, to strive, yes, to mess up, but also to like ask forgiveness, to change, and and we do likewise. So that's yeah. a really important aspect too. Yeah, yeah, really, and not to be afraid of the fact that like we said, in community, like there is the cross. Like it's yeah. a guarantee you're going to run into tension, <laughs> miscommunication. Yeah, we're human. Your blind spots. Like you all, hey guys, if no one's told you, you have blind spots that you don't see that <laughs> no. are a cross for others. Yeah. I yes, don't. You. <laughs> so when you see it in someone else, you can know, oh, yeah, I got that too. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so like I know for myself, like I, I think um, like I really look and appreciate the look to and appreciate the lives of the saints they really help me with this idea of like how do you maybe you're not ready to forgive maybe you don't know maybe it takes time mm. to be able to kind of be willing to even see your own blind spots you know but all that god asks for and you see it in the lives of the saints like no matter what they're faced with like they ask for the grace mm-hmm. you know I think of Oscar Romero, like, I can't, you can, you know, he says, you know, the blessed, I don't know if I'm saying her name right. I think it's French, so you could say it over <laughs> for me, but it's blessed Marie Clementine and Warit. I, I don't know how you spell oh. her last name, but okay, yeah, that's, Marie Clementine. That's her, like, birth name. Okay. Okay, say it nice. Marie Clementine. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, she was being attacked um, by her assailant. She said, I forgive you for you do not know what you're, you're doing. And I mean, that is that is not coming out of, I mean, she's being attacked and she was murdered right then, you know, after after that. And she really genuinely forgave him. She had love for that person. And so, like, I just I look to them, too, to say, like, you know, pray for me, intercede for me that I might be able to forgive or to be able to see in humility that I too have weaknesses that I need forgiveness, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, because sometimes it just takes in community one side to set aside, like one person in the thing to set aside the difficulty Mm -hmm. and to not have to figure it out, but to say, to rely on that commitment you've made Mm -hmm. to say, let's move forward. And it's awkward and it will feel awkward for a while as you find a new way. But that is walking on holy ground and that is walking in the way of Christ. And you discover that together. See, like having a, a, a heart that's rock hard and not malleable or palpable, like, or what's that word? Like porous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, it, it doesn't allow for that give and take you know, for that giving and receiving, but it's absolutely a requirement. But, but do not be afraid of that even because community will help you have a softened heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
love will be a part. You have to choose. You have to enact your will. But like you pray for for yourself, for your future self, you know, in that, and you pray for those around you, and they're praying for you. So, and it is amazing how much just praying for someone can help me love them more. Yeah, you know, just praying for the person, just saying, Jesus, I know you love her. I know you love her. Will you help me try to love her like you do? Mm -hmm. You know, or help me at least to be okay with the way she looks at me. You know, like, (laughs) you know, like we give these saints like with these really heroic examples. But sometimes for me, the heroic moment is just being okay with Mm -hmm. the way that this person says my name weird or, you know, like it could be something really simple, but, Mm -hmm. but for some reason it rubs me the wrong way. And I can just really ask for the Lord to step in there and, and to soften my heart toward, toward the person and to love, to grow in charity. Cause that's ultimately what it's all about is to grow in charity so that we can all just like be completely saturated with charity in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And like really come together as like the body of Christ. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's encouraging for me that in our chapel, I know that all of our sisters are looking forward at the tabernacle and the crucifix and we worship together in that chapel and written on the wall of our chapel is, do not be afraid. I am with you. From here I will enlighten, live with a penitent heart, or, or also it's translated as live in constant conversion. And so I know that that's a program of life that mm-hmm. all of our sisters are committed to. And I know that even regardless of what kind of conflict that we have, because we know why we're here, we're here for Jesus Christ. And we've made a commitment to live out those words, or at least to ask for the grace to, that, that I can live with a pet. I can, I can say yes to not being afraid. I can say yes to knowing Christ is with me. And I can say yes to living with a penitent heart and to seek him his, his uh, direction and comfort and uh, deeper conversion by visiting him in the, in the Blessed Sacrament and chapel and, and just calling on his grace. So I just think that that's so huge that to hold on to it, like in a family or in a community, like know what you're about, know why you're there, know why you personally are there, because it is a whole group and you rely on each other, but it's you and Jesus you know, Jesus has called you to that community. And so how has he called you to make a gift of yourself there? Um, you can own that regardless of what's going on and who's a part of it or feels like getting in the way. Yeah. Well, this has <laughs> been a fun conversation. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really grateful that we were able to talk a little bit about community. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just love that this is the topic that they're talking about. I, I know I was really affected by campus ministry when I was in college and a big part of my story comes from there. And um, I know that I grow by leaps and bounds when I'm working hard to carry my cross. And even when my cross kind of rubs off and leaves splinters on other people or there's <laughs> leaves splinters on mine. And yeah. um, I just think it's a, a really beautiful thing to try to live more intentionally. So I'm grateful for, yeah, the opportunity to to kind of break this open a little bit. And so we just want to encourage everybody who's at the seat conferences, know that we're praying for you and we'll just go around and each give one little takeaway from this conversation. And then maybe we can close with a prayer. Yeah. For me, it's just a phrase of saying to encourage you to do not be afraid to kind of stick yourself out there and extend who you are and the gifts that you have um, to make a friend, to, to let someone know that to, to, you know, 
message them or something and just say, hey, I'm praying for you or whatever. Like it sometimes is just that initial interaction um, that really can start something beautiful. Yeah. I think mine would be like, be open to being challenged and transformed by the people in your community. Um, even if it's hard at first to to hear certain things or experience certain things, hang in there and ask God's grace into that. Yeah, I think for me too, it's uh, just remember that everybody has a desire for community. Every heart is longing for it. And so if we could remember that, then I think that that's a helpful way to remember to interpret people's words and actions and things in a more loving and, and maybe more understanding way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's close with a, with a glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As, As it, it was, was in the beginning, beginning is now, now and, and ever shall be, world without end. end. Amen. Jesus, our Master, our way, our truth, and our life, teach us your way of truth and holiness. Queen of Apostles, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you. Thanks for listening, friends. For more content from this podcast, click the link in the episode description. Join these podcasters and many others as we encounter Jesus at Seek 22, February 4th through the 6th. For more information and to register, visit seek.focus.org.